Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Lucia Chachulovic. I am an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I will start off today's episode with a short overview of what has happened in the markets. Now, the race for the Senate is still open. The Democrats need to win two out of the three seats in Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia to retain control of the chamber. The Republicans, meanwhile, are expected to regain a small majority in the House. It may still take days or even weeks before the results are eventually known, but U.S. President Joe Biden said that the Democrats had exceeded expectations, and he also said that he does intend to run for a second term and will make the decision final in early 2023. U.S. stocks were sharply lower in yesterday's trading, and the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq erased gains accumulated over the past three sessions. All sectors ended the day lower, as major indices were down anywhere between 2 to 2.5%. U.S. treasuries were mostly firmer yesterday, but declined three points earlier to 4.07%. The US dollar index, meanwhile, was up 0.7% yesterday, with biggest gains coming versus the British pound and the Australian dollar, but the US dollar index is treading water this morning. Over in Asia, stocks weakened overnight. Shares in Japan, China and Australia fell, with Hong Kong's Hang Seng index down around 2% today. We received China's producer prices yesterday, which showed that the producer price index fell in October for the first time since December 2020, mainly due to drops in iron and steel prices. China's consumer price index, meanwhile, rose by 2.1% in October from a year ago, below Reuters' expectations for a 2.4% increase. Elsewhere in markets, oil is trading rather flat after its worst day in nearly a month as U.S. stockpiles grew and COVID outbreaks in China threatened growth. Gold steadied near a one-month peak yesterday, although prices were stuck in a tight range with gains curbed by an uptick in the dollar and investor caution ahead of the release of U.S. inflation data. In the world of crypto, Bitcoin fell below the 16,000 US dollar mark yesterday after Binance announced that it would not buy FTX due to financial and regulatory issues. FTX, the fourth largest crypto exchange in the world, agreed to sell a large part of its operation to its rival Binance after a wave of withdrawals threatened to take FTX down. Bitcoin recovered somewhat this morning, but considering it traded above 20,000 US dollars on Tuesday, yesterday's move was a major drop. We will have a comment from Karsten Menke on this topic shortly. Finally, in company news, Mark Zuckerberg announced that Meta will cut more than 11,000 jobs, which is about 13% of its overall workforce. The company, which owns Facebook and Instagram, will also extend its hiring freeze, reduce its real estate footprint, and transition some employees to desk sharing. So, what can we expect for the day ahead? European markets are heading for a lower open today as investors worldwide continue to digest incoming results from the US midterm elections. On the economic front, all eyes are on the US and the latest consumer price data, which will come out this afternoon European time and will offer some clues on the path of Fed tightening. A survey by Bloomberg expects the consumer price index to come in for October at 7.9% year-on-year or 6.5%, excluding food and energy. Companies that have already presented their results today include Allianz, Deutsche Telekom, Angie and Merck KGAA. 
And that's all for the markets wrap up. I would now like to hand over to Karsten Menke, head of Next Generation Research, for an update on crypto. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Lucia, and good morning. So, yeah, the crypto crisis is back on. Um, during the past week, things around two of the world's largest crypto exchanges, uh, FTX and Binance, have evolved fast. In short, one of them now appears bankrupt, driving another wave of risk aversion in digital assets. What has happened? Well, late last week, rumors emerged that FTX and its affiliated companies could have liquidity issues. These rumors were furthermore fostered by the founder of Binance, which is one of FTX's main competitor, as he said via Twitter that Binance would sell all of its FTT tokens, which is the native token of FTX. This drove the FTT token down by more than 85% and triggered double-digit losses across all cryptos. Eventually, Binance offered to bail out FTX pending due diligence. As we learned yesterday then, that due diligence process failed quickly and Binance withdrew its offer. As a result, cryptos fell further, as you said, with Bitcoin and Ethereum reaching lows around 15,500 and 1,100 US dollars. Beyond this imminent risk uh, wave of risk aversion, what does this new phase of the crypto crisis tell us? Well, first, I would say any crypto business that uses a token created by itself to use as a collateral is a bad thing. This is exactly what we see with the recent failure of the Terra stablecoin earlier this year and now also with FTX. Second, borrowing capital heavily to well use it efficiently, as we say in financial jargon, when running a crypto business is very dangerous due to the extreme volatility that we know from cryptos. Third, um, the expected consolidation in cryptos is actually happening faster with a tougher macroeconomic environment where liquidity has dried up. Binance has now well, basically cemented itself as the leading crypto company for the foreseeable future. For us, this means that uh, regulation is on the rise. It's in inevitable, it's not optional. And I think this is even more the case after this week's developments, which left many investors caught in the storm. Fourth, centralized crypto exchanges will likely be forced to be more transparent with blockchain-based proof of reserves, so to speak, versus any kind of opaque statements by its operators, as it has been the case in the past. So at this point, again, as a reminder, crypto is not well regulated and clearly should not be allowed to run on the same kind of system as established financial institutions do like banks or exchanges. All in all, we believe these developments, including the use of Twitter as the media medium exchange, underpins the nascent nature of the asset class, as well as the nervousness of the investors. They also underpin persistent governance problems in large parts of the crypto industry. So confidence in cryptos is still shattered, suggesting that the wounds of this year's crypto crisis will need more time to heal. A rapid short-term rebound looks now more unlikely than before. Thanks very much and back to you, Lucia. Very interesting. Thank you very much for this update, Karsten. Now for the decisions of our investment committee, we have Nicola Jordan from the CIO office with us this morning for an overview on what has been discussed. Over to you. Thank you, Lucia, and good morning, everyone. Even though the communication was somewhat ambiguous after the last FOMC meeting, we believe that the Fed will proceed more cautiously from now on. After several 75 BIP rate hikes, the time has come for more modest tightening steps. 
Leading indicators are pointing to falling U.S. inflation as we await the October U.S. CPI report, which should be out sometime today. We do not think that the Fed can return inflation to the neoliberal paradigm that prevailed before the Ukraine war. The new normal regarding inflation is most likely to be 3% plus instead of 2% minus. By now, however, the fastest and strongest tightening cycle in modern times is priced in, both in bond and equity markets. The markets are likely to have bottomed out and the recovery should extend well into next year, but probably in a volatile manner. Bond markets were hit hard in 2022. To name just one example, 10-year US Treasury bonds are experiencing their worst calendar year return since 1788. Meanwhile, global investment-grade bonds are hovering around minus 20% for the year, more or less in line with the performance of the S&P 500 index. So, will the suffering in fixed income finally come to an end in 2023? Chances are high. After the worst bond market drought on record, Restored yield and spread levels offer an attractive opportunity to enter the market. Over the course of 2022, US real rates finally hit positive territory again, after trading at deeply negative levels following the shock of the COVID-19 pandemic. This means that today, forward-looking nominal return expectations look promising across the board, and even on an inflation-adjusted basis, the picture remains positive for now. As a result, fixed income investments not only became more attractive on an absolute, but also on a risk-adjusted basis. So, to sum up, there is a high probability of positive bond returns next year from the current starting point. That's all from my side. Back to you, Lucia. Great. Thanks a lot, Nicola. And now over to Arian Osmani, fund specialist. Can you please tell us more about dividend strategies in a portfolio context? Absolutely. And thank you very much, Lucia. We are currently in an inflationary time paired with high interest rates that has slowed growth on an international spectrum. To date, value strategies have been able to profit best. And it's not a secret that while hindsight is the best sight, foresight should not be neglected. So what can we do? Well, we are here to navigate tumultuous environments with our clients and provide them with suitable investment ideas available going forward. And that is why we keep emphasizing value strategies. But what does value investing look like from a qualitative stance? Well, when talking about value investing, we must always mention Warren Buffett, or more specifically, his teacher, the economist Benjamin Graham. There are two main rules to follow when building a value-style approach. First, invest with a discipline which helps you to avoid overpaying for your investments. And I know it's easier said than done, but ratios such as PE, PB, and dividend yield are imperative for success. Second, be a long-term investor. You must have a conviction that may, of course, be amended throughout the life cycle, but that aims for long-term capital appreciation through sound investments. However, not all diversified equity value strategies are equal. They come in different shapes and sizes, which include, but are not limited to, differences in portfolio concentration, investment guidelines, and geographic exposure, just to name a few. These differences are very important from a portfolio perspective, as for example, certain regions by nature provide higher dividend yields than others. Let's start with the US. There it is more common to see share buyback programs than dividends being paid out. 
By partaking in share buyback programs, investors may benefit from net asset valuation surges, but do not gain the income pillar on a predefined frequency basis. Therefore, in turn, overall average dividend yield is low compared to other regions. From a relative stance, the dividend yields in the US are lower than in Europe. And the Asian yields, also from a relative stance, are higher than those in Europe. Of course, equity investors are exposed to the volatility of the asset class and the risk of drawdowns as well as single stock risks. However, equities are our preferred asset class, especially in a higher inflation environment. And in this context, undervalued and fundamentally sound companies with strong cash flow generation can help bring some long-term stability and return potential to portfolios. And by investing in prudently managed diversified equity strategies and funds, investors can benefit from holding a portfolio that is actively monitored throughout market cycles. With that, I thank you for your time and hand it back to you, Lucia. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Arian. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. I wish you a great day ahead and hope that you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.